Welcome to the Rochester Rundown, a local news podcast presented by Med City Beat. Today on the show, we'll unpack the role of police officers in schools. The Rochester School Board took up the topic on Tuesday, just a short time after the Derek Chauvin trial verdict that sent shockwaves across the world. We covered parts of this issue back in October of 2020 during our election forum series. Today, we'll take you through what some board members have heard from students since then, how the police department plans to adapt, and what one local student thinks officers should take into account moving forward. That's all coming up in a bit. Plus, the news of the week, including a city council ruling on the affordable housing complex in Northeast Rochester, a new way to get around downtown coming this summer, and of course, an update on the COVID-19 situation in our area. I'm Isaac James. It's Friday, April 23rd, 2021. Let's get to the news. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second degree murder while committing a felony. Count two, third degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act. Count three, second degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk. Find the defendant guilty. Just after 4 o'clock Tuesday afternoon, the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial came through. Guilty on all three charges, marking only the second time in Minnesota history a police officer has been convicted of murder and providing some closure to a storyline that has gripped the nation for nearly a year and sparking debate on what the future of policing should be. The Chauvin verdict came through just an hour before a conversation began in Rochester on that very topic. What role should a police officer play in our schools? The conversation on this topic has gone national, and three districts in Minnesota alone, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Winona, have removed school resource officers from their schools in the weeks after Floyd's death. Several more, primarily larger districts across the country, have also followed suit. Now, RPS has had multiple conversations on the future of its SROs in the past year, and it seems unlikely that they'll be removed entirely, but the future of the program could look much different, according to RPD Captain Jeff Stilwell. Nothing in that contract uh, is not rewritable or, or changeable. Uh, we're committed to providing uh, the best program possible for everybody involved in it. Based on survey results released Tuesday, over 90% of student respondents said they believe it's a good idea to have an officer in the schools in some capacity. Currently, five officers act as school resource officers inside RPS's secondary schools. Yusra Hassan is a senior at Century High School, roughly a month away from graduation. Her SRO is Officer Julie Clayman, and Hassan says if all SROs were like Officer Clayman, the program wouldn't have many issues at all. So Officer Clayman was around more to have positive interactions, which I would see her like during lunch. She would be in the cafeteria talking to people. Um, I always went up to her. We would talk just like about nothing related to anything bad, just about our day, like what's going on, life, politics, anything. Like she was almost like a friend and someone who was there for us, which I thought was a good example of how officers should be, especially around kids. That's the key difference between a school resource officer and a regular officer on patrol. An SRO isn't at a school because crimes are actively being committed, but they should act more as a leader, a mentor, or a confidant with the ability to jump in if a crime ends up being committed on school grounds. 
And there's even a caveat to that last bit on crimes being committed. Board members say the majority of the crime committed on school grounds doesn't even require police intervention. Primarily, it boils down to kids drinking underage, smoking marijuana, or getting into minor scuffles, things some RPS administrators told the board they can handle on their own. But still, those administrators sung the praises of the officers in Tuesday's meeting. Robert Scripture, principal at Alternative School Phoenix Academy, says the SRO assigned to his school works more as backup, a safety net, in case things go haywire. What I call him for at Phoenix is just emergency stuff and a little proactive. I got a kid puts a um, two-foot hole in the wall with his knees and he's swearing and banging. And I call him there, but they he won't engage until I say, hey, it's this is this is a crime. I think it's your your choice. Mayo High School Principal Troy Priggy says the SRO program has been, quote, invaluable to the day-to-day functions at Mayo, providing a sense of security while acting as an extra authority figure for students to reach out to. In the perfect world, they act more as a liaison between students and administrators than an officer of the law. They're not there to jam up students. They're not there to write tickets. They're not, they're not there to do any of those things. Um, but they are there for ad support. Now, just because an SRO should be a mentor, a leader, all of those nice things, doesn't mean the student body sees them as such, even if that officer is acting like it. About half of the black students that responded to the district survey said they wouldn't feel comfortable asking an SRO for help if they needed it. Hassan, a black woman, says that's at least partly due to the events of the past year permanently changing how people, specifically people of color, feel about and interact with police officers. As more students return to the classroom, she says the burden is on the officer to regain that sense of camaraderie, even if the SRO themselves didn't do anything to lose it. The school resource office needs to expect that people are going to be afraid, if not threatened, if not angry at them and it's not them it's that you don't know what they went through with police officers we've learned just this summer and this past year that a lot of people have their own stories i think they have almost like a rebuilding of a bond and trust to do with um students of color part of that anxiousness among students board members say comes down to the attire these officers wear Currently, Rochester's SROs walk around school in their full police getup, complete with a utility belt featuring a taser and a gun. Board Chair Jean Marvin said she heard from multiple students that said seeing those weapons make them uncomfortable and remind them of the events of last summer. But what students were saying is the uniform uniform freaks them out, and they don't like seeing a police officer in uniform with a gun greeting them as they come into the school building in the morning. That was fairly consistent. During our virtual debate series in October, multiple school board members told MedCityBeat that they would want SROs to change the way they presented themselves, whether it be removing weapons from the belt or changing the uniform altogether. On Tuesday, RPD Chief Jim Franklin said one of those two main changes could happen. The SROs could potentially wear a polo or a suit and tie, covering up a firearm while distancing themselves from the traditional police uniform but he would not entertain the idea of disarming officers. That, that is probably the one thing that's not, um, that's not negotiable as far as uh, softening the uniform. Um, it's part of who we are as police officers in this profession, um, and I just cannot in good um, conscience put the police officers in the schools without uh, their sidearms. But the long-term future of this SRO program and the bigger conversation on how policing is done in our communities will be up to the next generation, says Stillwell. That's the exact group of people under watch by SROs right now. These kids uh, are going to have to pick up the mantle from 
maybe my generation that, that hasn't moved the ball far enough. Now, here's a look at the top stories from our site, medcitybeat.com. After delaying a decision for two weeks, the Rochester City Council gave the preliminary go-ahead for a 66-unit affordable housing project to move forward. In two separate 5-2 votes, the council approved a request from Joseph Development to rezone and amend the land use plan for a 2.5-acre plot of land in the Northern Heights neighborhood. Neighbors had raised concerns over traffic and noise, but the developer will now be able to move forward with drafting plans for the four-story complex. Local health officials say COVID-19 vaccines are at a saturation point in the Rochester area as Mayo Clinic and Olmstead County Public Health start to see vaccination appointments go unfilled for the first time. Roughly 69% of Olmstead County's population 16 years of age and older has started the vaccine series, but case numbers continue to creep higher. 174 new cases of the virus were reported last week. And after a year on the sidelines, the plan to bring self-driving shuttles to Rochester's downtown got the green light to hit the streets of downtown this summer. The shuttles will run on a route along Center Street, 3rd Avenue Southwest, 6th Street Southwest, and Broadway, with stops just outside Methodist Hospital, People's Food Co-op, and the Hilton Garden Inn on Broadway. Expect to see those shuttles for the first time in August. All these stories and more, including a roundup of local reaction to a Chauvin verdict and a write-up on five businesses bringing back the concrete barriers for added outdoor patio space, are online now at medcitybeat.com. And that's where we're going to leave it this week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, the best way to support us is to become a member. Be a part of quality local journalism at medcitybeat.com slash membership. I'm Isaac James with Med City Beat. Have a great weekend, everybody, and I'll be talking with you again soon.